Hey, y'all. Well, here we are in the final episode of season one. We've said it before and we'll say it again that we really could not have done this without your support. We've seen this podcast go from concept to fruition and everywhere in between. And the fact that you like it all so much just warms our hearts. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. We're so excited for the future of the podcast and we cannot wait for season two. Hello and welcome to the Put a Ring on It podcast, a podcast from me, Danielle Pasternak, wedding coordinator of DPNAC Weddings. And me, Daniel Moyer of Daniel Moyer Photography. The Put a Ring on It podcast is for brides, grooms, and anyone planning a wedding who wants insider knowledge, behind the scenes stories, and downright sensible wedding planning advice. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of Put a Ring on It podcast. I'm your co-host, Danielle. And I'm Dan. How are you doing, Dan? Crazy. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. We skipped a week. Oops. <laughs> Things are a little crazy, but we're yeah. back and ready to roll. Yeah. So this is our Q&A episode that you've been hearing us talk about just about every episode. And our goal throughout this entire season and our whole purpose really in starting this podcast was to help people like you planning a wedding, feeling the pressures and just needing that advice that didn't feel like it was full of nonsensical or crazy expensive fluff. Mm -hmm. Um, So these are the top 15 questions that we have received over the past couple of months and we're ready and finally excited to be here and sharing them with you. So let's hop right in. Question number one. That was my game show voice. Did you like that? I like that game show voice. Question number one. If my venue only holds 200 people max, how many people should I invite? So obviously, I have to answer this question because I'm a logistics person. Mm-hmm. What I usually recommend is never inviting more people than your venue can hold. If every single person RSVPs yes and you've invited more people than your venue can hold, you can't uninvite people. It's not okay and it's really not okay. It's, it's rude. So what I recommend is having two lists, list A, list B. You don't have to tell people what list they're on. When you send out list A and you start getting feedback and you start getting people that are saying definite no's, start sending out invites to those people on list B. Um, if you're sending save the dates, don't send save the dates to those list B people unless you know you can fit them in. Um, but overall, I say never bank on people saying no to your wedding. Don't listen to the uh, the rule that, quote unquote, 30% of people RSVP no. It's totally different for everybody. It depends on who's coming in from out of town, who's coming, um, who's, who's able to be mobile, who needs help, who's sick, mm-hmm. who's on vacation, when your wedding is, all that stuff. For our wedding, we invited 200 people and only 150 came. Um, and I know plenty of clients who invite 200 and 190 came. So that rule of like the 30% thing, I don't think always holds up. Right. Yeah. And it also matters too if how big your list is. If your list is 400, it's different than if your list only consists of 50 people too. So all, all those factors come into play. But overall, it's not worth the stress of worrying about people saying yes to come to your party because mm-hmm. really your wedding is the only time when you start wishing that like uh, your crazy cousin out in Ohio maybe doesn't come to your party. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, next question. Dan, I'm going to ask this one to you. Should okay. I feed my pros at my wedding? Hmm. This is a good one, and we actually did a little mini episode on it. It was mini episode two. You can go back and check it out um, for a much more maybe detailed explanation. Um, But what I would say is you can kind of break it down into a few different areas. Um, First area would be those pros who are going to spend the entire day with you, and that would be like your videographer, your coordinator, your photographer. They're going to be there the entire day. You should definitely feed these people. Um, Second group would be those who are just going to be at your reception with you, maybe the band, a DJ. um, Who else, Daniel? Who else is just at the – drawing a blank. The band, the DJ, that's usually pretty much it. Um, Maybe a photo booth attendant if if they're – that was the other one I was thinking of. Okay. Um, so then those people definitely, you know, offer a meal to those people. I mean, most DJs and, and bands will have that directly in their contract anyway. So check their contract. Um, and then the last group is, you know, you're like your makeup artists, uh, people who are helping you in the beginning of the day, your florist. 
unless you specifically invited them to the reception, maybe you're efficient as well. That's the other one I was thinking of. Um, unless you specifically invited them to your reception, you don't have to offer them a meal. And as far as offering people meals, I think it just comes from a, a place of wanting to be a good host. And like I said, we we talked through this quite a bit in mini episode two. And I talked about you know the experience that I had at our wedding of wanting to sit down and invite the trolley driver in and have a meal because I know he was just going to be sitting outside anyway the whole entire night. So yeah, just wanting to be a good host and doing our best to make sure that those people who were serving us, I wanted to serve them as well and make sure that they were ready and rocking and ready and raring to roll. <laughs> what am I trying to say here? Ready and raring to go, um, you know, and filled with good energy from the food that we gave them. Yeah. And I always like the idea of sending them an invitation too. I have a whole wall oh. and a collection of invites. But if you're um when you're trying to get a headcount for vendors, don't expect them to RSVP. I think a lot of us just hang on to it as like a little treasure thing. But um reach out, email them directly, or your coordinator will take care of finding out who all to include for vendor meals. Because sometimes a five person band actually has a sixth technician and all yeah. this stuff. So you never want to assume either way. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, rock and roll. Man, we're rock and rolling right through. Why Maybe keep, you just shouldn't say rock and roll. Why do I keep saying rocking and rolling? I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Question number three. For those playing along at home with the drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> How many times does Dan say really, really and rocking and rolling? Yeah. Oh, Question number three. What are some good tools for planning a wedding? So this is my area of expertise because I'm a software and a tool junkie. Um, I'm always on the lookout for all kinds of cool things. Um, There are some wedding-focused tools out there. Specifically, Aisle Planner is a a pretty good one. Um, Planning Pod, I've also heard of. But I'm a fan of using things that are tried and true and making them work for you. So Google Docs is my number one go-to for organizing guest lists, spreadsheets, documents, timelines. That's where I do most of my work is in Google Docs. Another good one I've seen is Trello, which is free. Google Docs is free. Evernote, if you're keeping track of notes, um, they have apps. That's a good one. Pinterest, of course, for organizing your visual um, inspiration. Mm -hmm. We did a whole episode on that back, let me see, Pinteresting 101, episode eight. Um, So if you want to learn more about Pinterest, that was a really good episode. And um, another one I want to mention is Postable. I am a person who sucks at keeping track of people's addresses. Growing up, I always had one of those old school address books and I thought I was the coolest thing in the world, but they didn't actually have any addresses in it, just phone numbers, right? And like (laughs) the like AIM instant messenger names once I got to a certain age. So I'm awful at that. And chances are you don't have your um, family's addresses. Postable is a really, really good way to send an email out to them. Chances are you probably have their email or someone in your family has their email. Send it out to them. Let them fill out the address. That way you know you're sending it to the right place. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Postable for, for doing that. It makes things really simple, especially for um, our generation. Rachel still has a, a legit old school address book. Of but course she, she does. She told and she adorable. writes addresses in there. She updates it all the time. <laughs> it's really sweet. Good for her. She's my idol. <laughs> Obviously, I think like Word, Excel, Pages, Numbers, if you're using a Mac, those are all tried and true as well. But I think it's safe to say to use things that you're comfortable with. Don't take your wedding to try and learn a whole new crazy yeah program but use things that feel like natural to you and yeah don't use all of the things that danielle just mentioned just pick like one or two um like postable sounds really really cool i think if it were me i would i'm a google docs kind of guy and now that i have a pinterest up and running um i'm definitely using that for collecting things so i'm really digging those two so yeah Um, i actually have a, a couple um that is doing amazing things just with like google docs so they created a google form it's called it's like a survey type thing they send it out to their guests they are doing their wedding at more of a like camp type thing and Mm. they're trying to figure out the uh lodging for everybody because it's a little bit less formal there's not a a hotel manager taking care of it they're kind of 
playing that role too. So mm-hmm. they sent out this form to everybody that says like how many rooms you need, how many people, all this stuff. And it, that form is just doing all that work of asking the right questions and gathering that information. It's all compiling it into a Google spreadsheet that they can just like reference as they need to. So Super it's, smart. And it's a totally free thing. So it takes a little bit of time to build, but worth the effort in if you're trying to organize a lot of things. So I'm a big fan of that. That's for sure. Okay, next question. Um, Dan, we Mm -hmm. asked how, oh, I hear this a lot. How do I tell my guest that they don't get a plus one? Ooh, that's a tough one. Because as somebody who shies away from confrontation, not that it's going to cause confrontation, but I just feel like like I just want to make everybody happy and give everybody, you know, good things. But But at the end of the day, if you don't have the space or or the, the budget to accommodate a plus one for everybody, it's tricky. I was just going to say that. I'm sorry. Well, I was trying to help. <laughs> you cut me off right in the middle of my sentence. Damn it, oh, Danielle. I'm a jerk. That's okay. I'm just kidding. Um, that's my train of thought. What was I saying? I'm sorry. Do you want to start over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. I'm so- I didn't mean to do that. I was trying to like add to it. Shut up, Danielle. <laughs> okay. Starting over. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Okay, on to the next question. So, ooh, I hear this a lot. How do I tell my guest that they don't get a plus one, Dan? This is, I feel like this is a a bit of a tough one because as somebody who doesn't really like confrontation, not that this is going to bring about confrontation, but as somebody who just wants to make people happy and have everybody included, realistically, when it comes down to your budget, how many people can fit at the venue, you just just can't. I think the best advice is to put yourself in their shoes. Like, what would you want to hear? And I think you just it comes down to just being honest um, and understanding that they may not attend if they can't have their significant other. Now, I also think that you have to distinguish between somebody who is in a very long-term serious relationship who it's heading towards, you know, something long-term serious. It might be a bit disrespectful if you do not add them as a plus one. But, you know, if there's somebody who's maybe on the newer side or maybe younger side or, um, you know, they're not dating anybody, uh, but they just want to bring somebody along. I think realistically, maybe that person also doesn't realize how much it costs to bring one other person. Um, Depending on your wedding, that could be anywhere from 50 to 250 dollars or 300 dollars a plate. I think they, like I said, just be honest, uh, be straightforward, and you know, consider how long that relationship has been when you're asking if they should bring a plus one or not, or telling them if they're going to bring a plus one or not. Yeah, and I think too, you can always reassure them that, hey, I know you're you're coming by yourself, but I'm not going to sit you at a table with a bunch of people you don't know. I'm going to sit you with people you know, and it's it's going to be a good time. I think I hear this a lot with um, kids. If kids aren't invited to the wedding, uh, you can run into that same situation. Same thing, like Dan said, be honest. Mm-hmm. And I really don't think, well, when we were planning our wedding, there was like a table of people who were all just kind of like these, it was just like a, a, a random table. Yeah, there <laughs> was just like a bunch of people who didn't really necessarily know anybody. And we ended up putting those people together. And it turned out that there was connections from the past in there. And then they, did, they didn't even know. And when they sit down, they started talking and chit-chatting with each other. Um, and they realized that there was this past connection. But we also realized that like, during dinner is really the only time that people are sitting down. Hopefully, we just want to have a big party, so everybody's going to stand up and get out on the dance floor anyway. So it's not going to be super awkward if people are just sitting there for you know forty five minutes, an hour, or whatever during dinner, or eating and making small talk, and then getting up and you know being and moving around anyway later. You know, mm-hmm. one thing I, I guess I probably should add. I just thought about you do want to take into consideration those that are older. A lot of times when you're planning the guest list, you think of, you know, great Grammy, but great Grammy sometimes needs a caretaker to be with her. And that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily a family member. Sometimes it's someone who's more, you know, professionally involved. Don't forget to include them that in that case, that's a, that's a definite plus one that should probably happen, obviously depending on your great Grammy, but yeah. I think we pretty much covered that one. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Solid. Okay. Number five of 15. Which pros get a tip? Aldi pros. Aldi pros get tips. <laughs> Are you so, just leaving it at that? Yeah, that's all I'm saying. No, it's okay. So there's certain people um, that you're going to work with in your wedding that you kind of have to tip in the same way as when you go out to eat, you kind of have to tip that person that's bringing you the really yummy, delicious food. So 
of those people, it's like your hairstylist, makeup artist, the limo driver, people like that are that are performing a service and it's it's not too much farther than that. Those are people that automatically get one. There's other people um, that are more uh, up in the air that sometimes you get a tip, sometimes you don't get a tip. I, people like myself, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Photographers, all of that. Um, if you Google which vendors should I tip, there is a thing that says if they own the company, then they shouldn't get a tip. Obviously, it's it's totally your call who you want to tip and who you don't want to tip. But if someone really wows you, I think it's a good idea to tip them. And my, the analogy I always use is if you go out to eat, you don't tip the owner of the restaurant. But if the owner of the restaurant is running around getting your food, taking your order, taking really good care of you, then you would leave them a tip just the same yeah. as you would leave the other person doing that job. So mm. that's that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. I never expect a tip as a photographer. I know, you know, my clients are paying me, you know, a, a good amount of money. They're investing in me. Um, but one of the things I think is really nice is when um, any of the crew who are there uh, assisting me or uh, as an additional photographer or something for the wedding day. Um, you know, I don't need a tip, but you know, those other people, those helpers, um, I think it, it's a really nice gesture to tip them as well. I mean, you know, I'm already paying them, but they're, they're, they're working it. They're, they're pushing it as well. Um, I think it is a really nice gesture as well to tip them. Mm-hmm. And there's other people that are going to be involved on your wedding day too, specifically your your venue or your caterer, uh, depending on who's actually serving the food. A lot of times though, that tip is built into your overall contract because it would be hard to figure out how many servers are going to be. Um, right. If it's not built into your contract, I would say flat out ask in advance. Yeah. Uh, you know, how many servers do you guys usually have and figure that tips out? And speaking of doing things in advance, when you're approaching your wedding day, talk with your partner and say, who are we going to tip? How much are we going to tip? Do it in mm -hmm. advance. Put it in envelopes on the wedding yep. day. Assign somebody to distribute them. You're going to forget that day. Um, the driver's going to be gone and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, we never tipped him. And it's, you know, you, you don't want to have to be worrying about that. And yeah. there's other ways that you can quote unquote tip a pro. So it, it's it's really about saying thank you, right? That's what your tip is. You're showing gratitude. Um, you can leave them a review afterwards. That helps me a lot. Um, yeah. It helps me with feedback. It helps future clients see how I work and, and build that trust. Um, it's you, I've received like very kind thank you notes in the mail, which I, I treasure. And I, I mean, Dan, what about you? Same deal. And I always think that it's not necessarily, I mean, reviews on wedding wire and the not are really, really great. But what I also really like is, is a nice email afterwards. Just thank you so much. You really pushed it hard, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I really like that a lot because then I can turn around. I'll ask my you know client, hey, can I put this on my website as a testimonial? And those kind of things. I mean, today, you know, we receive text messages and phone calls. Um, like you said, uh, a handwritten note, but anything that's handwritten, even if it's an email that I can then turn around and use to promote myself, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I, I feel very fortunate whenever I get those. All the warm and fuzzies. All the warm and fuzzies. <laughs> okay, Dan. So next question, uh, you, you have to take this. Um, this question says, what should I do if I love a photographer's work, but their price doesn't fit with my budget? Hmm. Boy, that is a tough one. Um, I guess this can apply to just about yeah any pro too. So, well, this is some of the things that I do with couples who come to me and say, "Hey, we're on this tight budget. You know, this is what I can do." Um, first is is you know be honest and open with that pro that you're asking, whether photographer, videographer, whatever, and just say, "Hey, is there anything you can do to maybe adjust this or?" bring your price down so that you can fit in our budget without compromising your um, level of quality. You know, so you can still do what you do, but without sacrificing any quality. Um, and you have to be prepared for that person to say no. But one of the things that I always do with my past couples, and, and I, I try to work with them as much as possible, um, is I will actually do this thing where I'll break up payments to after the wedding. So there's not such a huge investment beforehand. So I call it the 75-25 rule. So I mend my agreement, and it just says that 75% of their agreement is due up front, 25% is, is due after. Now, I, I don't know 
and Danielle, you'll probably be able to answer this better than I would. I don't know if that's like a typical thing that people do. I just know that if somebody really, really wants me, I, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that they can hire me. So I, I break it up so that there's 75% beforehand, 25% after the wedding, due within six months. Um, the other thing I do is I have wedding, like an actual wedding registry for Daniel Moyer Photography, where couples can purchase gift credits and you know all these other services, additional photographer engagement sessions before the wedding. So that way, you know, rather than a traditional registry, you know, couples can send my registry out to their friends and family. Um, and oftentimes couples will raise, you know, anywhere between a thousand and two thousand dollars just in these small little gift credits from friends and family, just, you know, fifty dollars here, hundred dollars there. Um, just helping with something that is going to last for a very long time, their photography. It's really um, good idea. Thank you. Uh yeah, and the last thing I was thinking of is, you know, you've got these different budgets for areas of your wedding. And I think if you if you really want to prioritize something, then you may have to skimp somewhere else or, or pull money from another budget, maybe somewhere that's less of a priority to you, and put it towards photography or put it towards that that thing that's on your top three, five, whatever priority list. Um, pull money from elsewhere and put it towards those big ticket items that you're really, really excited about. Okay, so question number seven for you, Danielle. The Pinterest episode was great. How can I use other social media, i.e. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, to get ideas and find vendors? Yeah. So I'm a big social media junkie. And I I think um, of all those that you, you mentioned, um, I think Instagram is a, a huge one right now. Obviously, everybody's oh, yeah. talking about Instagram. Um, I don't want to talk about Snapchat because I don't understand slash hate chat, Snapchat so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Instagram, I think, is a big one. It's very visual, and you can search by hashtags. And more and more uh, wedding pros are catching on to mm -hmm. very specific wedding hashtags that are very searchable and very easy to use. So my favorite is to use the hashtag um, your like city name and then the word wedding. So if you're from Philly, um, hashtag Philly wedding or Philadelphia wedding. If you're from Orlando, hashtag Orlando wedding. That's a great way to find local people, obviously to where your wedding is, not necessarily where you are if those are different locations. So um, other really popular Instagram tags right now, this is uh, May 2016. So these are probably going to change in like a blink of an eye. But um, <laughs> one is hashtag Insta wedding. Um, another one is Insta bride. Uh, another hashtag we see a lot is she said yes. Hashtag real weddings, hashtag InstaWed. You can kind of see where they're going here, but just searching those things, it's great to find um, ideas, inspiration, and using that local hashtag will really help finding local uh, local pros as well. And I think I don't I don't know this about Instagram. I guess I could probably look at it um, now, but I think there's also a way to search more by location um, as well. But apparently, that's not something I do because <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, I feel like that's a possible thing because you're always like tagging where you're at. So I imagine that makes sense. Oh, another thing you could search, search your venue. So if you're mm. um, if you're getting married at a, a like not your backyard, so you're getting married at a specific place, search that um, because you're going to see all kinds of really good stuff. Yeah, I started having people find me on Pinterest now. Uh and I see that they're pinning pictures from you know my blog post because they're getting married at that same venue. Thank you very much, Danielle. I'm going to give you a quick little hand because I didn't know that that's how you use Pinterest. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's a really, really great idea. Uh, just finding you know who shot there before. And obviously, if they shot there before, that pro must be in the area. Anything else you'd like to add on that one? No, I, I, think, um, I think that covers it. Okay, so question eight is also for you. My venue provides a mater d. Is this the same thing as a day of coordinator? No, <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Uh, so it, it it really depends. Usually, they're not even close. A mater d or a venue coordinator, if you will, works for the venue. A day of coordinator or a doc is independent, and they're. 100% there for you. They often and should work well together. They're each taking care of complimentary things, but one's focused on the venue. The other one's focused more on you, your guests, your families, things like that. Um, and 
I always say mater d's and, and venue coordinators, they're still very important because they know their house. They know that venue. If the power goes out, they know where the electrical box is. If a glass breaks, they know where the broom is. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just, they know that house, but a planner or a, a day of coordinator is going to be a little bit more involved with you getting to know you throughout the planning process. Yeah, in episode five, you and Bree actually covered this really well because I didn't even know what the difference between the two were. But I still think, um, unless your venue coordinator is very, very, very involved, I still think it's super beneficial to have both there on your wedding day. Yeah, you guys talked something about uh, how, you know, if the napkins were something that needed to be folded because your your mom folds napkins really, you know, this very specific way that, you know, you would have done the research beforehand to kind of know all these little details about the couple and know exactly their style and all these little, little details. And then you'd be the one who kind of would be able to take a glance over the whole entire wedding and say, no, 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 this needs to be exactly this way. Or, you know, not just for the reception, but the whole, the wedding day as a whole as well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like to tell my clients that my job is to get to know you and your partner as good as, as good as possible, as well as possible yeah. English. Um, so that <laughs> on the wedding day, I'm making decisions based on how you would if you were doing this. You yeah. can't because you're being the couple and in the spotlight. I'm there making sure everything's happening as you would have it happening. Also adding my professional expertise on top of it, but really being in their brain to, to know how things are happening. And not to say as a, a good mater D or venue coordinator isn't going to do that. It's just not necessarily their job to do that. What's your turkey quote? The the Thanksgiving quote? <laughs> I have a lot of turkey quotes, Dan. You're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> so it's, it's, I, it's like Thanksgiving. In my family, my mom cooks Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. And she does it very well, but she spends the entire morning in the kitchen. She's she's working her butt off. All the guests come, and and she's still in the kitchen making sure things are good. She's trying to like pop out and give hugs and kisses and so happy you're here. But otherwise, she's focused on not forgetting the sweet potatoes in the oven and, and doing all those things. And by the time dinner comes, she sits and eats, and then she gets up and she cleans dishes. And obviously, she has help. I sound like a jerk of a daughter. Um, <laughs> But uh, she's she's enjoying the day to a certain extent, but she's not really like when the day's over, she's exhausted. And on your wedding day, you don't want to necessarily be that person in the in the kitchen cooking your Thanksgiving dinner for all of your guests. You want to you want to be the like amazing host with a glass of wine in your hand and a and a, you know, may I take your jacket? No, I guess you wouldn't take your jacket on, on your guest's wedding, but let somebody else do that too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah you, you just want to be the like very comforting and warm, welcoming host. Yeah, when when Rachel and I talked to you about our wedding way back, was that 2012? I think we probably 2013. We, maybe. Wait, when anyway, did you get married? 2014. It was right, 2012 so that we asked you. Yeah. Oh wow. I think your exact quote was, "It's like hosting Thanksgiving dinner without ever having to touch the turkey." Oh, that's good. Because that's exactly what you said. Daniel's of course, so it's good. Smart. You came up with it. Nailed it. <laughs> Should write right. that down. <laughs> oh goodness. And that was, I said that to two vegetarians, I'm just realizing. <laughs> no wonder it hit home. <laughs> we still like Thanksgiving. We just eat lasagna and vegetables oh, yeah. and mashed potatoes. Did you like green bean casseroles and stuff? Yeah. I mean, my mom is an incredible cook. She just, she makes like six different stuffings and all kinds of stuff. It's incredible. Anyway. That's my job on Thanksgiving. I make the stuffing. <clears throat> Which means I have to wake up really early because you have to get the stuffing in the bird and the bird's got to go in the oven at like the butt crack of dawn. So, <laughs> all right. So, Dan, next question. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> so, oh, sort of speaking of, um, this person wrote in and they said, I don't need to register for the traditional fine china and bedding. Do you have any ideas for alternative registry items or formats that won't freak out my grandma? So one of the really, really great ones that you can do is Newly Wish. Newly Wish is actually an online registry um, that offers a mix of traditional and untraditional registries. You could also check with your wedding pros. I know some of them have them, like I, I just mentioned before. I have my own for my own business. There's honeymoon ones. Yeah. Oh, the honeymoon registries. That's right. Where people yeah. can just like put money into a giant pot and, you know, help send you on a really, really fun honeymoon. What else, Danielle? I heard, I know you have like a little fun trick that you, you tell people to do. <laughs> I don't tell people to do it's well, sometimes it's a little sneaky and I don't know how morally correct it is. But, um, one thing that I've seen done 
is you as a couple, you go and you register for those uh, quote unquote traditional things like China betting um, and say you don't need them, but you, you, so you go and register them with your registry. You can go back and edit it and say you've received something. So what you do is you register for that like crazy fine China set. And then you go back afterwards pretty much immediately and say, Oh, got it. And then when your grandma's looking through it and they go, Oh, okay. They don't need, they don't need bed sheets. They don't need towels. They need, okay. They need this and this and this. And that way she doesn't necessarily feel like you didn't register for those things and you mm-hmm. don't get a talking to, uh, but you also don't get a whole bunch of things that you already have or don't really care to, to need or want. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't know if it's awesome or wrong, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like it kind of solves the problem. So I don't know. I don't think it's wrong. Is it lying? It's not really lying. It's, it's saying, a little white lie. I have this. Yeah. So I mean, and, you're still getting things that you want. Yeah. And, and just because you make a registry, trust me on this, uh, people are going to buy you what they want to buy you anyway. <laughs> so yeah, That's for sure. Yeah. Keep track of it. Say thank you and, and do with it after that what you will. Good to go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dan, next question. This is question 10. So we're, we're doing good here. Um, this question says, should I book a photographer to capture my rehearsal dinner, welcome party, after party, morning after brunch, et cetera, um, or just the wedding day? Mm-hmm. Good question. Uh, the rehearsal dinner, I think, is super important. If you think about it, I think this is the first time that all of your friends and family and these like key people for the wedding day, they're all coming into town like for this thing. Most of the time they're coming in, you know, the night before, maybe a day or two before. Um, this is the first time everybody gets together. So I say if, if your budget allows for it, heck yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a great time, great moments, you know, great people getting together and enjoying, you know, this kind of like non-pressure situation. I can say that, one of my favorite pictures from our entire wedding collection is actually from the rehearsal dinner, which we had at our house. Um, we had some people traveling in and we just did a pizza party in our backyard and we had games and, you know, just relaxed. Um, and it's actually a picture of my dad and Rachel's dad sitting in like this kind of circle of empty chairs because it was before everybody had gone out back and they're just sitting there chatting. And I think it's just this beautiful image of two families coming together you know i mean maybe it's a little traditional like the patriarch sitting there um chatting but it just it for me it just sums up everything and it just um i know that we wouldn't have that picture if i didn't have joe at the rehearsal dinner yeah i think too more often than not rehearsal dinners by nature are just going to be more casual and laid back than at the wedding so you (laughs) might catch people like your photographer might catch people in a little bit different state. You know, maybe mom's not as emotional. Maybe she's more relaxed and there maybe there's more laughs involved or maybe there's more, you know, happy tears involved. It, it all is all different. But from a girl standpoint, oh, this is so cliche. But I think the best part of it all is you get pictures of yourself in multiple outfits. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, because, you know, on your wedding day, you you, you may be doing um, a dress change or a hair change or whatever it is, which is which is amazing and cool to do if you if you if you can. But, um, you know, it's it's nice to kind of capture the whole weekend and tell that whole story. And yeah, bonus points for like more options for Facebook profile pictures. <laughs> I know that um, a couple oh, of that's weddings, awful. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. Um, I know a few of the weddings that I have coming up. Their weddings are kind of outside of the box. Like I have a summer camp one coming up in September and they hired me to do the rehearsal because so many people are traveling in for that whole entire weekend and it's it's literally at a summer camp. So they're having festivities throughout the weekend and they were like we we have you have to come up on Friday night. We want you to enjoy it, but we also want some of these non-wedding day traditional things captured because this is our wedding weekend and it was in their budget and heck yeah, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be really fun. It tells the story of their weekend, so why not? Exactly. Um okay, I think we covered that one. Question 11. I heard that sunscreen and mineral makeup are no-nos on the big day because they reflect light and will look weird in pictures. Do you have any other beauty getting ready tips to make sure I don't goof up my pictures? I think you should take this one, Danielle. Yeah. Well, obviously I've just proved how vain I am, (laughs) but so Dan, I guess I should ask you as a photographer, have you ever had a problem with someone's makeup in a picture? Can I answer this honestly? Yeah. It's not really an issue, but it's just, 
um, it's something that maybe people don't think of. So why do football players and baseball players put that black line on, on, on their cheeks? Sports question. You lost me. <laughs> Sports question. Um, well, I only like baseball. But they put that black line there because it pulls light away from their eyes. It doesn't make their cheeks as reflective. So when I've seen brides who do like a very dark, smoky eye, and and what actually happens is the whites of their eyes actually go dark because light cannot get in there. So if it's like a very heavy, dark, smoky eye, the, like the eyes just almost look like a pit. But that's the only thing, and I really haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, and I think a good makeup artist will know how to avoid that. Um, and I think I, when I first started, I started this back in 2009. That was something I learned early on is you don't do mineral makeup. And you'd, uh, I actually didn't hear the sunscreen, but I could see how that would make sense. I Since then, I've never ran into that problem. I've never heard of it since then. A lot of really good and, and professional makeup artists and hairstylists, whatever, um, yeah. they – they know the right makeup to use. There's options out there that you can do airbrush makeup, which supposedly lasts longer. There's traditional makeup, which you, you know, a, a makeup artist will say that she sometimes has a little bit more control and can apply traditional makeup better than airbrush, things like that. But <clears throat> I don't, I haven't heard in my seven years of experience anybody saying, whatever you do, tell the bride not to put on sunscreen. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, I don't know about the rest of you ladies out there, but my, my, my face moisturizer has sunscreen built right into it. So it's, it's an everyday thing for me and I've, I've never had that problem, but, um, listen to your photographers, listen to your makeup artists and, and see their past work and trust that they're going to lead you in the right direction. Um, the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't really seen any any time where makeup has made my life harder. I mean, <laughs> I mean, not your professional life. <laughs> I have had airbrush uh, makeup because I wanted to know what that felt like. So I've, I have had it like, like sprayed on a few times just to like see what it was like. Anyway, a few um, times? We're, we're just going to keep moving on a few times. We're going to keep moving on here. I think you have to ask me a question next. I do. I've got a good one for you. Person asks, what are some good gifts for parents siblings or people in my wedding party uh easiest answer things they can reuse afterwards yes um i mean champion that above all other things and places to get them uh etsy is a really really great one danielle let me know of two awesome ones called uncommon goods uh which is uncommongoods.com daily grommet which after i finish this list you should tell everybody what about those two (laughs) um and uh one that i like is Photo Jojo, uh, J-O-J-O, Photo J-O-J-O, photojojo.com. And that's just like fun photo-related gifts. Um, not really a f- for a photographer or anything, just really, really fun things. I like it. Yeah, so un- uncommongoods.com <laughs> and the Daily Gromit are two websites I frequent a lot when I'm stuck on Mother's Day presents or just friends' birthdays. They have quirky things that are very like they solve a problem like shark tank style like they solve a problem or they're very sentimental but super unique they're just things you don't find just anywhere obviously etsy comes along with that too but those are my go-to even if i'm just looking for some inspiration is like what the heck do i do and you know there's a lot of options out there but and if you're going to personalize it you know if you're going to engrave something or do something along those lines put it in a place that they know where it is but it's not necessarily shouting it from the rooftops yeah. What what are some gifts that you've seen in the past? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always the traditional jewelry for the girls and maybe suspenders or um, one cool thing I saw was wooden bow ties. Hmm. They were like a bow tie bunch. That was cool. Socks, personalized socks. Doesn't have to yeah. be expensive either. No, I mean, I've seen the traditional things like flasks for the yeah. guys, um, you know, watches for the guys as well, cufflinks for the guys as well. Um uh, again, all those things that can be reused afterwards. And if you really get stuck, Pinterest, Google, um, yeah. you know, even just Googling uncommon gifts for groomsmen, uncommon gifts for bridesmaids, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. And just, yeah. just start doing some research and you'll, you'll stumble across something. Yeah. And we're actually, I think this next question is going to talk about this a little bit too. Mm. But maybe you gift them, maybe you give the guys uh, of like a shave that day, like you go to mm. a barber shop and get a shave and you, you cover that or maybe you take care of the girl's hair and makeup bill or, it, you know, it depends on what you want to give. But those are things too, because 
those are things that happen. Actually, one of the coolest things that I saw was just this past April, um, and my the groom got shaving kits, like old school shaving kits for all of his groomsmen, and they were super classy. I, I don't know if they were stainless steel or sterling silver or whatever, but they were like shined up, and they were the fancy kind of razor that like gets bent over the top of the uh, over the head of the razor, and it's like a single blade, and it's real heavy, and they're just it was really beautiful, and all the guys were really freaking out about it. It was just it was a cool outside of the box thought. Yeah, and you know your your wedding party best. It's yeah. Give them something they'll like and, and use and treasure. These guys really appreciated that. It was this kind of this kind of crew. Um, okay, so on that note, let's move on to the thirteenth question. This is a long question. This is a long question. Okay, <laughs> prepare yourselves, everyone. I would love to pay for everything for the wedding party: dresses, tuxes, hair, makeup for the girls, etc. But it's just not in my budget. What are the things I really should be paying for? Makeup, if I'm requesting that everyone have it done or something like that. And how do I tactfully communicate that things I'm asking my wedding party to pay for themselves? Wow. <laughs> I hope so, everybody got that because I feel like yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, so so I think this, pers- this person is asking, I want to pay for everything for my wedding party because I appreciate that they're there, but I, I just can't afford to. How do I what are the things I really need to pay for and how do I tell them what things they need to be paying for so there isn't a miscommunication on the wedding day? Yeah. Uh, my big thing in in all things is just honesty and transparency. Those are key. Um, I say never assume anything in either direction. And I think a good rule of thumb when you're trying to figure out <clears throat> what you should be paying for as this as the couple getting married is to pay for anything that you're requiring that is very, very specific. So if you're requiring everybody to wear um, these, you know, those wooden bow ties, maybe that would be something that you should probably consider um, taking care of because you're requiring it. Um, A popular thing now is to have girls wear mismatched wedding or mismatched bridesmaids dresses. So if that's the case, you say, Hey, wear something purple. They go out, find something purple and it's, it's all good. Yeah. But all in all, um, from what I've seen, most of the time, the wedding party is paying for their own attire and often their hair and makeup too. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Ryan, when I was in his wedding, he required us as part of the outfit, the, the suit outfit, um, to wear Chuck Taylors. So, you know, the black and white, old school high top converse and he um he bought those for us so that was killing two birds with one stone he required it so he bought it but then it was also our gift because we could use it afterwards yeah and when it comes to tactfully communicating the things i'm asking my wedding party to pay for themselves i've seen it done a few ways i think demanding anything is never a good idea but for example you're letting the bridesmaids know hey we're getting hair and makeup done it costs this much. If you would like to get it done, please let me know. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm happy to make that appointment for you on that day. Um, if you want to give me the money and then I'll just write one big check, it's all good. But I think just being as as clear and um, inviting <laughs> as possible is, <laughs> yep. is, is the best way to do it. But I think when you mention a price, because um, if, you know, if you just go to them and say, hey, do you want to get your hair and makeup done? They're like, yeah, sure, I'll get my hair and makeup done. And then that day they're like, well, where's your, you know, where's your, hundred bucks or whatever. Um, well, you didn't tell me that, you know, so it's just about being clear because to some you may have, um, they just might not know how much it costs. So transparency is key. Uh, Yeah. And you know, what might also be another good gesture is if you can't afford to pay for everybody's hair and makeup, maybe you just cover their tip. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good idea too. And let them know that say, Hey, like, um, you know, if you want to get hair and makeup done, if you could take care of the cost of the service, it's roughly this, I'll take care of the tip for you guys because- Because I appreciate you, you know, getting it all done together. And I love when everybody gets their hair and makeup done together. I'm such a girl. But it's, <laughs> it's just so fun to, like, watch everybody get excited. And yeah. you have to like that from a photographer's standpoint. I do. Um, and I shot a wedding just this past weekend that, like, there was 15 girls plus moms and uh, makeup artists and hair and everybody all in this one small hotel room. The guys had the big room, which I thought was kind of funny and, and opposite. <laughs> um, and everybody was just super happy and, you know, everything ran on time. And I love it when everybody's crammed into one room because like it's like anywhere I point my camera, there's just like people take pictures of people are happy. People are smiley. I love it. Ladies and gents, 
as you're planning your wedding, put somebody in charge of making a playlist and bringing a set of speakers to jam out the morning oh of your gosh, wedding. Oh my gosh, yes. The amount of time that I have a phone inside of a cup, it's just super funny. I mean, yeah. you know that trick, right? The phone in the oh, cup yeah. trick? Okay, yeah. okay. That's what I do um, in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> all right all not right. me that's singing i put my phone in a cup oh gotcha <laughs> okay uh i think it's time to move on to question 14 sorry <laughs> almost done question 14 this is another one for you when is a good time frame to require your guests to respond to your wedding invite some places have said no later than two weeks but that feels tight for me as a planner, and I don't feel comfortable with that. Any suggestions or consequences to the RSVP process for my vendors is also helpful to know. So I'm also a planner, obviously. My preference, um, which I'll go over first, is making the RSVP date for four to five weeks before the wedding, or basically one month before your wedding day, um, is a good RSVP date, in my opinion. This gives you plenty of time to track down missing RSVPs, um, you know, those ones that forgot to send it back or got lost in the mail (laughs) using air quotes there. Um, It gives you time to track those down. It gives you time to build your seating arrangements, give your final numbers to your caterer, to your venue, get your seating cards or your seating chart printed. And when I say plenty of time, I guess that's all relative because it's really only like maybe a week or two that you're giving yourself to do this. Um, The second school of camp that I've heard is making it closer to two to three weeks before the wedding date. Um, The case for this argument, which is valid, um, that I've heard and I've witnessed is that guests will change their minds about coming if mm-hmm. you if you give them too long to respond um, or if you make them respond too soon. So either way, if you have a guest list um, of more than 75 people, chances are high that you'll have a guest or two change their mind about coming, whether it's an illness or, or work or change of plans or they're just jerks. Um, but no matter when the RSVP date, that can happen. I like to give myself more time. I'm not. I'm an anti procrastinator by nature, so it's just it's just kind of how it goes. And it same could be said too for when you're sending out your invites. Don't send them out too soon. That's the one thing I can say is sending them out too soon and giving an RSVP date of six weeks after they've received it. It ends up sitting on that counter and not getting totally. sent back to you and give them a little bit of time to RSVP, track them down afterwards, and they're adults, they'll figure it out. Because um, yep. especially if you've already sent a save the date, if they already know this invite's on the way, they should be able to get it, respond, throw it back in the mail, and, and on to the next thing. Yeah, totally. So... Dan, this next question is also a pretty long one. Oh, the last question. Yeah, this is question 15. So, oh, I don't want to read it. I don't want it to be over. No. (laughs) Okay. So this person said, um, working with some great vendors we've identified as high on our priority list. And while we wouldn't plan our entire wedding around a single vendor, given the choice between two dates that are otherwise equal in our minds, it would help the decision to know if our favorite photographer, DJ, et cetera, was free on one day, but not the other. This is probably going against the grain, but is there a way to ask vendors you're really dying to have about their availability without already having a date? Has that ever happened to either of you? I don't think that this is uh, super uncommon or going against the grain. Uh, this happens to me... It happens to me a couple couple times a year, and I think probably similar to you, right, Danielle? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and in all honesty, uh, a lot of times they just are just completely honest and say, you know, hey, it's it, we have a couple of these dates. It's kind of between these. Are you free for one of them? Um, and that's just a, a great way to, you know, start off the conversation with me. Um, I mean, t- for me, uh, you know, I'm I'm super thrilled if somebody is coming to me essentially before the reception venue. That's really flattering to me. That they're essentially planning their date around my availability. I mean, what what wedding pro wouldn't be absolutely thrilled about that? So regardless, I just say I just say go for it. Uh, give them as much information as you possibly can, and just even if you don't have the date nailed down, just get in touch and uh, remember the warm and fuzzies we talked about and picking your pros. Just try to give as much information, give them the warm and fuzzies, and I'm sure they'll be flattered to work with you and nail down a date. Yeah, and just from a logistics standpoint or a legality standpoint, I don't know. One thing to remember, until you sign an agreement, though, 
and send in some type of deposit or retainer. A pro might not be able to guarantee to hold that wedding date for you. So just keep that communication going as you're talking with them. Maybe you can ask them to tentatively hold your date or let them, you know, ask them to let you know if someone else inquires about the same date in the meantime, um, they may not be able to, but it won't hurt to, to politely ask. And I think if you're coming to them and showing that type of commitment and like awe of their work, they're going to, they're going to hold that pretty high. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, a, a really good example is just last month, a couple hired me who, when they first contacted me, only knew the season and the year they wanted to get married in. And they just said, you know, we kind of have this venue. We we know that they're available in this time. Um, are there any dates that work for you? So I actually gave them a couple of dates and they matched it up with the dates that they had from their venue and found one that overlapped. And here we are. Good to go. Then yeah. they hired me and then they got the venue and things are good. Life is good. Yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> we should have made this 50 questions, our top 50 questions that we received. And we we are so appreciative of everybody that sent things in. We tried to respond to everybody um, that we couldn't put into this episode. Um, I think we actually did respond to every question that we received. We really tried to make sure they were being um, given answers because they're all yeah. super great questions. Um, so Dan, where can they go to find all this information? Cause we mentioned a few things, newly wish Google docs, uh, all these, things. All these yeah. different things. Yeah. Um, so the first place to go is definitely the put a ring on it podcast website, put a ring on it podcast.com. Um, you'll get show notes, um, you know, updates, all kinds of good stuff. Just make sure you stay in touch. Mm-hmm. And this is the end of season one. This is our season finale episode. And at the end of every episode this season, we've asked you to support us by rating and reviewing and subscribing to our podcast. But for this last episode of this season, we want to ask just one thing from you. What did you think of season one and how can we make season two even better? Okay, I guess that's two things, but <laughs> head, ah, never was good at math. Yes, I was. Anyway, head to um, the website, like Dan mentioned, put a ring on it podcast.com. Click the get in touch button. You can send a message directly through the website or via email. It doesn't matter. But we want to know what you thought of season one and how we can make season two even better. Don't forget to like us on Facebook to keep in touch, ask questions and get updates on season two. We'll see you guys soon. See you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>